0: Section 34 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombow. Homicide Part 11. THE goss Utterzook TRAGEDY, PART Ten. Mrs. Elizabeth Toombs I reside in Newark, New Jersey. I am the wife of Isaac Toombs. Mr. A. C. Wilson came to my house November 29, 1872, and remained there as a boarder during nearly seven months. I remember seeing the prisoner at the bar on the 11th day of May, 1873, at my house in Newark. He came to see A.C. Wilson. He was introduced to me by A.C. Wilson as Mr. Mullen. He came between five and six o'clock on Sunday morning. My husband conducted him upstairs to Mr. Wilson's room. He took breakfast with me. After breakfast they made arrangements to go to New York. Wilson came and asked me for an umbrella. They then went away together and returned together the same evening. They then took supper, after which they went to their room upstairs. Mr. Utterzook left to take the cars a little before nine o'clock that night. I have not seen him from that time until I came into this courtroom. Mr. Wilson left my house June twenty-fifth, 1873. It was Wednesday evening, between nine and ten o'clock. He left, as he said, to meet a friend in Philadelphia he said he was going to philadelphia mr wilson was what i would call a large man full-chested square shoulders throwing his shoulders back especially when walking he had dark hair sprinkled with gray whiskers the same he wore side whiskers with mustache somewhat connected with his whiskers what i believe are called burnside whiskers his eyes were dark he wore no beard on his chin in conversation, I observed his teeth. He had a very good set of teeth. He took with him his overcoat. I should call it a very dark wine color. He had a pair of light pantaloons on when he went away and a dark vest. He wore Congress gaiters. He had no buttons on them. Exhibiting shoes heretofore introduced in evidence. They were something similar to those. I could not swear those were the shoes. HIS SHOES WERE MARKED EIGHTS. HE USED TO LEAVE THEM ON THE RACK IN MY HALL. QUESTION. WHERE WAS THE MARK YOU SAW? ANSWER. ON THE ELASTIC, ON THE INSIDE. QUESTION. ON BOTH SHOES, OR ONLY ONE? ANSWER. I COULD NOT SAY AS TO THAT. QUESTION. SEE WHETHER THERE IS A MARK IN THAT SHOE. ANSWER. EXAMINING SHOE. IT LOOKS LIKE THE FIGURE I SAW IN MR. WILSON'S SHOE. On the Tuesday before Mr. Wilson left, he was going away on Wednesday, he brought me a shirt and asked if I would wash it for him. Myself and girl washed and ironed it for him. It was a new shirt and rather difficult for the girl to iron, so I told her to leave it until after dinner and I would iron it. I did iron it, and in doing so I observed the band button was off at the back of the neck, and I sewed one on in its place the shirt opened behind. There had been two buttons on, one on the yoke and one on the band. There was a buttonhole in the front of the band around the neck, eyelet holes in the middle plate of bosom for studs, a loop at the bottom of the bosom plates, and plates by the side of the middle plate. It was the first time it had been washed since it was done up new. Mr. Wilson had worn it a week previous the shirt heretofore introduced in evidence exhibited to witness in respect to the buttons buttonholes and the plates this shirt answers to the same description as the one i washed when mr wilson first came to my house he engaged board and then went away and got his baggage which consisted of a leather valise only the valise had two handles placed so they could both be clasped by the same hand the inside partition of the valise was loose as i learned by picking it up from the floor where he had thrown it the partition was covered with blue paper small figures this partition was left behind by wilson when he went away when i moved house it was thrown away the valise was tan colored and looked as though it had been roughly handled there were three letters on one end one of which i think was a c the valise heretofore introduced in evidence exhibited to witness it looks like the valise the letters on the end are in the same place but i cannot say certain about them as they are so much defaced the size of this valise its color and the color of the lining correspond with that of wilson's at the time wilson came to board with me i lived at number 275 mulberry street and i moved on the first day of april eighteen seventy three to number three thirty one mulberry street when he left i was living at number three thirty one mulberry street when he came to board with me he wore no ring but he often spoke of one which he owned and when it came i was curious to see and examine it i had it in my hands and examined it and saw him wear it afterwards i had it in my possession one afternoon last april it was handed me by a member of the family to give to mr wilson i put it on my finger until tea-time and then delivered it to mr wilson it was a gold ring with bloodstone setting the stone was longer than it was wide there was a groove around the gold band a sort of beading the ring exhibited to witness it looks like the same ring I placed it on this forefinger because it was loose from my other fingers. Mr. Wilson wore it on the ring finger of his left hand. Mr. Wilson received letters by post brought by the letter carrier. They were addressed to Mr. A.C. Wilson. I did not often notice the postmark, but I have noticed the postmark Baltimore upon his letters. He has directed letters to me. I saw a letter he sent away. I saw that it was addressed to Miss Eliza Arden, Baltimore. He had a pair of eyeglasses. He never appeared to use them. I have seen him read and write. He did not then use them. He wore them by a cord about his neck, and carried them in his vest-pocket. He had a habit of drinking. On several occasions he was very much intoxicated." When mr utterzook was at my house to see him mr wilson called utterzook doctor he left on wednesday evening the next saturday morning i received a note from him written on friday dated from philadelphia i did not save it i burned it he wrote me saying that he enclosed two dollars fifty cents with which he wished me to pay one dollar to the paper man and a dollar fifty to a mr myers across the street from my house he wrote that he was the most miserable man living and wished himself back at our house again and said he would set sail for europe on saturday noon there was no money in the letter we had a private sitting-room for our boarders and he frequently went into it he had an invention which was called the model of a screwdriver my attention was called to it but i could not explain what it was the name of a campbell goss was here called but he did not respond and the examination of the above witness was continued as follows there was another person who called to see mr wilson i think it was during the last of january eighteen seventy three he was introduced to me as mr wilson's brother he resembled mr wilson HE CAME ON A SUNDAY MORNING AND LEFT MONDAY AFTERNOON. HE CALLED FOR A PRIVATE ROOM, AND IN THE EVENING I GAVE HIM THE DINING-ROOM TO DO SOME WRITING IN. THEY WERE WRITING THERE ALL THE EVENING. THE GOSS-LANGLEY PICTURE WAS EXHIBITED TO WITNESS. I RECOGNIZE THE ONE STANDING TO BE MR. WILSON. MR. WILSON HAD NO BUSINESS WHILE HE WAS AT MY HOUSE. CROSS-EXAMINATION i saw the shirt before i saw it here in the office of mr wanger the commonwealth's attorney i also saw the shoes in the hands of other persons i did not examine them at the time mr wilson lived with me my family consisted of fifteen or twenty persons sometimes we had twelve to eighteen boarders the latter part of last january a gentleman who represented himself as from nashville Tennessee and as being a brother of a c wilson came to my house in newark he resembled mr wilson miss emma taylor i reside in newark and live with mrs toombs who has just been examined at the time a c wilson boarded at her house i knew mr wilson saw him daily at meal times evenings and on sundays he was a stout, fine-looking man, with full chest, very dark brown hair, slightly mixed with grey, and at that time wore a moustache and side whiskers. He had large, dark eyes and heavy eyebrows. In talking he showed his teeth, which were very good. He had a large seal-ring, which at one time he gave to me, and I kept it about three weeks. I have not seen it since I parted with it on the stone setting were two spots which he pointed out to me with a sort of drip between them the part which goes round the finger is not quite round in shape the ring heretofore introduced in evidence handed to witness witness takes the ring and proceeds to a window and closely examines it i cannot see the spots so distinctly as i remember them the resemblance of the ring itself and the shape and size is the same the court let us see what those spots are the witness hands the ring to the judge and explains what she means by the spots mr wilson gave it to me to keep and i wore it on that forefinger with two or three other rings it was a rather tight fit on that finger then and it is the same now i kept the ring about three weeks and then gave it to mrs toombs and she returned it to mr wilson I have seen Mr. Utterzook, the prisoner at the bar, before. I saw him on the 11th of May last, at the house of Mrs. Toombs. The way I remember or fix the date is because there was a lady friend visiting me, and she went away on Sunday, and the 11th, when he came, was the Sunday week before she went away. The Goss Langley picture exhibited to witness. I recognize the one standing as Mr. Wilson he left mrs tombs's family on the twenty fifth of june he told me he was going to philadelphia while he lived at mrs Toomes, he wrote me several notes cross-examination i recognize mr wilson in the picture from the whole appearance of the person from the whole effect of the figure when mr wilson gave me the ring he was under the influence of liquor i offered him the ring back several times when he was sober and he would not take it the notes he wrote me were upon small pieces of paper which he placed in my hands to some of them he signed his name a c wilson and to others no name at all he wrote them frequently sometimes three or four a day sometimes he and i would talk about the contents of the notes afterwards I have a recollection of his handwriting, but not very distinct. Commonwealth's attorney proposed to offer two letters to witness and ask if she recognizes handwriting. One letter dated Newark, January 9, and received by David R. Mullen. The other addressed to S. R. Downs, June 19, 1872. Objected to by defense and exception reserved. By the court do you recognize handwriting look at it carefully and say whether you know that handwriting do you know the character of the writing answer yes sir the writing is that of a c wilson to the best of my knowledge the following are the letters shown to witness s r downs success l i dear sir i have just noticed your advertisement in the new york herald please drop me a few lines and state if you could not accommodate an humble unassuming and good-natured individual as i profess to be for less money than your advertisement calls for am easy to please can put up with anything all i want is to get in the country please let me hear from you at any rate with directions how to find your house yours most respect a c wilson NEW YORK, JANUARY 3, 1873, DAVID R. Mullen, ESQUIRE, COOPERSTOWN, PENNSYLVANIA. DEAR GOVERNOR, I HAVE BUT JUST TIME TO WRITE YOU A FEW LINES, MERELY TO INFORM YOU OF MY WHEREABOUTS AND GOOD HEALTH, ETC, ETC. WELL, AS YOU CAN SEE FROM THIS LETTER, I AM AGAIN IN THE GREAT METROPOLIS, HARD AT WORK, AND WORKING HARDER THAN I EVER DID BEFORE IN MY LIFE. I AM WITH A LARGE FIRM HERE, that was among the sufferers from the boston fire their loss is near a hundred thousand dollars and they are working hard to regain their former footing i am glad that i have come to them in their distress for they were sorely in need of my assistance humble as it may be for in these hurried times they wanted no new hands but old ones and as i am familiar with their business as well as their custom i need no instructions I have been to Philadelphia twice and to Boston once since I left you, and I leave here again to-night for Boston, and as soon as I return I am off for the West for them. So you see, my dear Governor, I have my hands full. I have not had any leisure moments to myself since I have been here, and will not until I return from my Western trip. These men have been my friends in times past, and I am glad to have the opportunity to reciprocate their kindness. Gov, you know that I was looking for a package by express when I left you. Well, in that package I expected a hundred dollars. I have received the package, but only received forty dollars instead of one hundred dollars. The truth of this you can find out from the clerk at Brynmar Station. Had I received the hundred dollars, I should have been able to pay you what I owe you, but as it is i hope you are not uneasy for i will not long remain in your debt now a few words about family matters and i will close my letter the time that i lived in your family have been very pleasant and agreeable i was treated by all like a gentleman and tried to the very best of my ability to act in accordance and i flatter myself that i succeeded until within a few days of my departure and then that d m old fool made me mad with his insults and then i made an ass of myself by drinking whiskey. i would not have had it happen for anything that i possess particularly while in your house but i can only say now that i am heartily ashamed of it and i hope that i will at no distant day have an opportunity to make atonement for it i wish that i had all to go over again how different I would act. My affairs in Tennessee are progressing favorable, and I hope soon to be all right. Please remember me with kindness to your good wife and to Annie, also to all inquiring friends. I have written Abe Good, and he is to send me my ring and screwdriver, and if you have no objection, please give him watch. I need it very much in traveling write me a few lines and send it in the package that abe is sending me hoping to hear from you soon i remain as ever yours most respectfully a c wilson mr hayes offered to show to the witness the letters of w s goss to mr steele v day page 227 upon examining the handwriting witness said it looks like mr wilson's writing but not so distinctly I think it is his to the best of my judgment isaac tombs i am husband of mrs tombs who has testified i knew a c wilson who was at my house about seven months i saw him nearly every day i was with him and conversed with him frequently he was a fine-looking stout well-built man he would throw his shoulders well back when he walked he had a large full chest was about 5 feet 8 inches tall and wore side whiskers and mustache his hair and whiskers were nearly black mixed with grey he had dark eyes i have noticed his finger ring have had it in my hands several times we had a talk about the ring before it came and when it came it had become a subject of curiosity and we all took a look at it the ring heretofore introduced in evidence handed the witness IT LOOKS IN EVERY PARTICULAR LIKE HIS RING. THE PHOTOGRAPH HANDED TO WITNESS I RECOGNIZE THE ONE STANDING TO BE MR. WILSON. HE WOULD FREQUENTLY DRINK TO EXCESS. I SAW HIM WHEN HE LEFT MY HOUSE. HE SAID HE WAS GOING TO PHILADELPHIA. I HAVE SEEN THE PRISONER, MR. Utterzook, AT MY HOUSE. HE WAS THERE ON SUNDAY, THE 11TH DAY OF MAY, 1873. HE CAME TO SEE MR. WILSON. He came soon after five o'clock in the morning and rang the bell. I got out of bed and went to the door and let him in. He said he wanted to see Mr. Wilson. I told him I did not like to call Mr. Wilson at that hour, as there was another man who roomed with him. He said he was a particular friend of Mr. Wilson, and I asked him in. He followed me upstairs. I called Mr. Wilson and told him a gentleman wanted to see him i turned and asked the gentleman his name and he said doc i repeated doc he said all right and then i left him and wilson together i afterwards saw them at breakfast together sitting side by side mr wilson and he went away together and i saw them at tea on their return to my house the same evening about nine o'clock they both left the house to go to the depot Mr. Wilson came back alone. Cross examined. Mr. Wilson was not in any business. He spent his time mostly in the house. He would often lie abed in, in the afternoons. He would smoke after dinner and then go and lie down. After breakfast, he would usually light his pipe and sit down to read the papers. Towards the last of his being there, he and the other gentlemen took a paper together. We commenced taking it about the time the trial was going on in the insurance case in Baltimore. End of section 34